0: Amen. Good to see you all here tonight. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Jude, please. The book of Jude, and read a few verses out of this one chapter book. And we continue with our theme of missions. Uh, we've been in missions month, and we uh, will uh, start our annual missions conference a week from tonight. Uh, Brother Lang and his family come in Saturday night. Brother Sargent and his family come in on Monday, I believe. And we will uh, start our conference next Wednesday night. Speaking of our faith promise missions, giving, uh, I'll give you those numbers next week. But praise the Lord, we have reached what was promised and an abundance more. And thank you for your faithfulness uh, in giving. And we can support uh, more missionaries. We can uh, take on missions projects. We can, uh, because of God's people giving and our faith being increased, uh, like Paul said, they would be enlarged and they'd be able to preach the gospel in the regions beyond. And so we reach into all the world uh, with the gospel in any way that we can. And this is one way that we can uh, through supporting other missionaries. And so I'll give you those. Next week, of course, and we'll have our Faith Promise Missions cards out as well at the beginning of the conference for you. And uh, we'll look forward to a new year of what the Lord would have us to give by faith. Amen. Amen. And we can uh, trust that the Lord will take it and multiply it, and then the gospel will move even farther. And so we we trust the Lord with that, and thank you for your participation. But we continue with the uh, thought and the idea... Uh, surrounding missions and the various principles of it, we as we have been over the last few weeks, and we will tonight as well. I want to direct your attention to verses 20 through 23. The Bible says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion making a difference, and others, saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I want to draw your attention to one phrase here tonight in this passage, and I'll get to it in just a second. But I want you to note, first of all, that in verse 20, the first two words that you see are, but ye. And this is a a transition phrase that Jude uses Jude, uh, through the entire book, has basically been dealing with identifying and handling apostates of the last day. And he transitions in this verse here to the saints of God. He says, but ye, brethren, or beloved. So he's transitioning over to give encouragement to the saints of God for how they should live, how we should live in the last days as well. And Jude in these verses here, gives a couple of action words in encouragement to the saints of God in how we should live in the last days. He says, first of all, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. And his instruction is that the saint of God is to build their life on that which is pleasing to the Lord, that is based on the faith of Jesus Christ, building our life on the foundation of the Scriptures, our life, we ought to be growing. We ought to be building in this Christian life. We ought, we ought not stay the same. And he says, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. And then he says, praying in the Holy Ghost. And essentially, we, we don't have the time to talk about all of that, but essentially the idea around this is, is that there's, there's a time of, of, of growth in our Christian life and more of, a, of getting our will aligned with God's will. That when we pray, we seek what the Lord's will is, and so on. But tonight, I want to look at verse 21. And particularly, I want to look at this phrase, keep yourselves in the love of God. It's an interesting phrase. And I want to look at this because it's very foundational to having the right heart for what we find in verses 22 and 23. Of some have compassion, make a difference, and others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. There are two interesting uh, thoughts and ideas that we'll consider out of this verse, but I want to just point out briefly that this phrase, keep yourselves in the love of God, it's a phrase that, that almost sounds contradictory to what we know of God's love towards us. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Is that something that's possible? Can we find ourselves out of the love of God? Interesting question, right? But Jude states, keep yourselves in the love of God. And so I want to look at this verse, and we'll make some applications towards missions toward the end as well, all right? Let's pray, then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd instruct us from your word here tonight, and Lord, you teach us truth that will draw us to Christ and make us more like Him as well. Lord, I pray that we would be doers of Your Word and seek to apply uh, God's Word as it's brought to us here. And Lord, may God's Word effectually work in us that believe, and Lord, may it be transforming daily in our lives that we would be more in line with Your will, more like the Lord Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. First thing we need to understand here about this thought, keep yourselves in the love of God. And it's the most important thing. We need to understand this, that first of all, we cannot ever escape God's love for us. The Bible tells us, in fact, go over to Romans chapter 8. We won't spend a lot of time here because I want to come back and make some other applications here as we find out what this actually really means. But we need to understand, first of all, that we cannot ever escape God's love for us. In Romans 8 and verse 35, Paul says, "'Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword?' Essentially, Paul makes it clear that it doesn't matter what it is in this life. It doesn't matter whether it's temporal. It doesn't matter whether it's material. Whatever it is, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when we compare Scripture with Scripture, we find that the love of God for us is inescapable. This love is the love we read about in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's impossible to be any place on this earth, according to this passage, and not know the love of God. We can't escape it. It is this love that provides for a salvation full and free. The love of God, listen, the love of God toward us is another proof of eternal security for the believer. It's impossible to escape it. John 10, 28. Look at John 10 and verse 28. Wonderful truth concerning our eternal salvation. John 10 and verse 28, Jesus said, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Simply what I'm saying here, or what I'm getting at with this, is that if we are told to keep ourselves in the love of God, but yet it's impossible to be separated from the love of God for us, then what exactly is Jude talking about when he says keep yourselves in the love of God? He's got to be talking about something different than God's love for us because that's unescapable. Jude is talking about, what he's really talking about is the possibility or the ability, maybe that's not even the right word, but probably the possibility of us to leave the love of God. Keep yourselves. In the love of God is the statement that it's made. It's not meaning that we have to work for our salvation. It's not meaning that we have to try to earn God's love for us somehow because that's inescapable. No, that's all by the grace of God. He's referring to something different. He's referring to the fact that we can lose our love for Him. In other words, God will never quit loving us but we could quit loving God. And what Jude is admonishing here, he's saying, saints, saints of God, you've got to understand this. Keep yourselves in love with God. That's what he's talking about. You need to be in love with God yourself. It's our love toward God that is being addressed here. In Matthew chapter 24, turn over there with me. Matthew chapter 24 And look at verse 12. Jesus said, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. When sin is prevalent in a life or sin is regarded in a life, it pulls from our love toward God. Why does it do that? Because we've shown love to that thing more than we've shown love to our God. God and sin are are as as far apart and opposites as you could ever, ever be. And when we hold on to it or regard it, we're showing or demonstrating a love for that more than we are for God. Revelation chapter 2 in verse 4. Turn over there with me. What we find in Revelation 2 in verse 4 is a warning to churches. Revelation 2 verse 4. Jesus says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. A church can be straight in doctrine. A church can have all of their their, their T's crossed and their I's dotted, but a church can also be deficient in love. And Jude realizes that from what Jesus said, it's possible for the saint of God to leave our love for God, this is why He says, "Keep, keep, keep yourselves in the love of God." Do you know what that word "keep" means? The word "keep" means to guard from loss or injury. It means to keep your eyes upon. And if we could illustrate what that word means, maybe we could illustrate it like this. It's, it's something that indicates value. It's something that means it's very precious. That's what this word is trying to get across. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Guard it from loss. Guard it from injury. Keep your eyes upon it. Why? Because it's valuable. It's precious. That's what he's talking about. And I could illustrate it this way. You know how moms take their kids to the park to play? And you got a couple of littles, you know, that are out there playing around on the playground. And moms might be talking to each other or so on. But you know what a mom is doing? She's keeping her eyes on her children. She's keeping her eyes on them to guard them from loss. So they're not taken. To guard them from injury. Why? Because they're valuable and they're precious. This is what the love of God is. It's valuable and precious. you got to keep it. you got to guard it. you got to watch it so you don't lose it. This is what Jude is talking about. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It's not God's love toward us. It's our love toward God that needs to be watched for. So naturally then the question comes about, what is it that can capture our love for God then? If we're to guard it because it's something valuable and precious and keep our eye on it, what is it that can capture our love for God? Once again, we're not talking about losing our salvation or God's love for us. We're saved eternally, certainly, and God's love is, is, a, is an everlasting kind of love, the Bible says. But it is possible, yea, even probable, that at some point in our life we would find ourselves losing love for the Lord himself because of our sinful condition, the human condition. What is it that can capture our love for God? Well, there are four specific things that the Word of God warns us will capture or steal our love for God and lead us away if we're not watching, if we're not careful, if we're not keeping. The first we find in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to turn over there with me, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And again, I state that this is so critical and foundational for the right heart attitude for what comes next in verses 22 and 23. Having love for God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and look at verse 10. Paul says, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And what we find for the word of God in a warning for us is that loving this present world is something that can and will steal our love for God. We know that Demas had been traveling with the apostle Paul. He's mentioned in the books of Philemon. He's mentioned in the book of Colossians as well. It's an interesting term. The Bible uses here that Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I think it's very interesting that that term, that word love, is the same word agape love that is meant for God. That's interesting. That's the love that's reserved for God. But Demas had loved this present world. Some, Some commentators in their synopsis of this verse give the impression that what was actually going on here was not that Demas wanted fame and fortune in this world, when it says he loved this present world. it's Not talking about Demas loving the fame and fortune of this world, rather that Demas was not willing to stay with the Apostle Paul and subject himself to the probabilities of martyrdom for the faith. And in order to secure this present life, he departed to a place of safety. It's possible that Demas had such a love for this world, this present world, that he didn't care to go to the other world. You understand what I'm saying? He wanted to live in this temporal life, and the thought of death or the thought of departing from this life was maybe more than he could bear. That's quite possible. This world, with all of its cares even with all of its troubles, could have probably held Demas' attention more than love for God. Maybe he didn't care to count the cost of serving Christ. He just wanted to live a life of ease. But may I say this to you tonight, brethren, holding on to this present life, rather than being willing to lose it for Christ's sake and the gospel, is a real pull of the flesh. The abandonment of personal plans, the abandonment of ambition to truly follow Christ is not common in Christianity today. That I'll lay it all down. I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. Even if it means going someplace that I couldn't possibly imagine or see for myself. I've got these ambitions and plans, but I lay them at His feet. Lord, just do with me what you want. That's not common in Christianity today. It's far easier to just live out our days in this world. We're all going to die. We all know that if the Lord tarries. But for most, it's just easier to live out our days in this world. You know, especially with what's happening in the world with COVID and control and all these things. You know what? Just kind of keep your head down. Live as comfortable as you can. Do whatever you got to do. Don't cause a stir. It's easier to do that than to have full commitment to the cause of Christ. Loving this present or material life can cause us to drift from our love for God. Loving the things of the world can cause us to drift in our love for the Lord. 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It goes on to say that if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love for the world and love for God are not compatible Not compatible. It's not possible. Those two things are not compatible together. And so we find that what is it that can capture or steal our love for God? Well, having a a love for the temporal, a love for this present world, is something that can steal our love for God, rather than having uh, an eternal viewpoint, rather than uh, setting our affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Secondly, Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 4. This is in the context of the last days. It's a description of how things are going to be or how people are going to be, how they are currently in the last days. And what do we find? In verse 4, that people are traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more Than lovers of God. The phrase used in 2 Timothy 3 is referring to sensual pleasures. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We might call it vain amusements, even. People who live for pleasure and entertainment as as the goal of their life. The love of pleasures will push aside the love we have for God and the things of God. You know what? There's nothing wrong with hunting and fishing and trapping and four wheeling and family fun and going to the lake and vacations. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. In fact, all those can be very good things. There's nothing wrong with them at all until they take the place of love and service to Christ. When those things become the primary focus of my life, the God of my life. Entertainment, you know, from one party to the next, one get together to the next, one adventure to the next. I tell you what, folks, I've been really, really disappointed actually in myself to some degree, because it can—it happens so easy, you don't even know what's happening, until you realize it's happening, and then you're like, what in the world are you doing? This whole summer has been like this, it's like one thing right to the next, and you plan and you do this, and other things get jumped in, and besides all the things that you have planned, other things get thrown in on top, and it's like one thing to the next, and we look for all this fun, we look for all the, the thrill and the enjoyment of this next adventure, but we're too tired to even enjoy it, and we spent all the time and the money on it, and then at the end of it, we're like, what in the world was that? that, but wait, I got to go on to the next thing. And I told, I told Car, I said, I said, next year, I don't want to do this. We can have a couple of things that we plan because our summers are short and so on. We can't control everything, but you know what? I don't want to live this way from one thing to the next because it's all empty and vain in the end. I'm simply saying this, that it's never going to be fulfilling, number one. But number two, the love of pleasure is something that will actually steal our love for God. It steals our focus on what we should be focused on. If we're not watching, if we're not keeping, keep right yourselves in the love of God. But you know what the worst part of this type of love is is that many churches today in Christianity have catered to this very lifestyle, They've got their bazaars, they've got their movie nights, they've got their basketball games, their softball games. They've got activity after activity after activity. And it's do and do and do all of these activities just for the purpose of living for pleasure. There's more emphasis that's placed on on these kinds of things than the preaching of God's word. There's more importance that's placed on their bazaars than having prayer, a, 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 maybe around a round of prayer breakfast even, but times of prayer where we're, we're calling on the name of the Lord to do something. They expend more energy on athletic contests than teaching the scriptures, and there's more emphasis that put, that's put on activity rather than soul winning and missions and souls for Christ. They cater to this kind of lifestyle. Why? Because it brings the crowds in. It brings the numbers in. And church becomes an entertainment complex. More than where the truth of God is preached. The love of pleasure will push aside the love of God. And the things that God loves. What is it that God loves, friends? He loves souls. It steals our focus. It robs, of, robs us of our purpose. Which ultimately, why, why do people, why do people want all the entertainments? They're looking for something from that. They're looking for some sort of fulfillment in that. They're looking for something that will will bring joy in their life. But we look in all the wrong places because when we are not fulfilling our purpose as a born-again Christian, we're not saved to live life for self. We're saved to serve Christ. Our purpose is to, to be glorifying to God. And when we're not fulfilling that purpose, everything else as a Christian is empty and vain anyway. So what is it? We do all these things, and we still find this emptiness. It does not satisfy. Why? Because we're not fulfilling our purpose, which ultimately is the only way to find that fulfillment that we're looking for. Seeking pleasure is vain, and it will always leave us wanting. It's something that steals love for God. Turn over to 3 John. We find a third thing that the Bible warns us about Third John in verse 9. John writes here, he says, I, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth, receiveth us not. A third warning from the Word of God, we won't take the time to really flesh all of these things out here, but a third warning that steals our love for God is a love for self. Love for self. Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence. Diotrephes was a leader in the church, apparently. He wouldn't accept the authority of John because he had become too important. He had become sort of a dictator, if you read through the context of that. He believed that he was more important than the authority given John. You know what the word preeminence means here? It means a love to be first. It means ambitious of distinction. Basically, what it means is he loved to be recognized. He loved himself. He loved himself. And you know what? One man who has a love for himself more than a love for God can destroy a church. Diotrephes was not interested in the good of the church, only the good of himself. Diotrephes would have been the kind of man who wouldn't sacrifice himself for the whole, for the good of the body, but he would be one who expected it of other people. You know, the kind that won't get involved or be a part of the solution, but the kind that will sit back and complain about what they don't like. You know what I'm talking about? We'll sit and complain about decisions being made, or we'll sit and complain about, I don't like how this is happening, but I'm not going to get my hands dirty or get involved and be part of the solution. That's somebody who loves himself. He would have said, don't question me, don't challenge me. He would have been one who didn't like to be challenged by the word of God. He didn't like to be challenged by John, the authority. He would have been one who wouldn't be able to take correction or admit any kind of wrongdoing. When the truth comes out and the truth is being said, he would have been one who turned it around and was offended by it as judgmental and so on. Why? Because he loved himself more than God. That's right. Pride is not the way to love God. Yeah. In fact, that is a direct mark of the last days. Remember how we read in 2 Timothy 3, the condition of men? Notice this, 2 Timothy 3, 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boasters. Boasters. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Later on, they are traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And note, they have a form of godliness to them, but deny the power. We have to watch. We have to keep. We have to guard from loss, as Jude says. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Guard it from loss. Or injury, keep your eye on it. Why? Because there are things that'll pull you away from the love of God. A fourth one is, in First Timothy chapter six, turn a page over or so for Timothy 6:10. The Bible says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through. With many sorrows, you know a love for money, a love of money, will steal our love for God. That's right. Jesus said, "Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." This verse is often misquoted by many. They have misquote it by saying money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not exactly true, is it? It's the love of money that's the root of evil. Money is a useful tool that God prospers us with, but. When we cross over to love it, that's when the problems start. You know, the reason why, one of the main reasons at least, why some people have a hard time consistently tithing or are really stingy in giving to missions or they won't give at all is because they love money more than they love God. Three things happen to those who love money, according to this verse. Which, while some coveted after. They're going to covet it. Meaning that they're going to have an insatiable desire for it. They're going to work and do whatever they have to do to get more of it. Ever known somebody who was working inordinate amount of hours just so they could make some more money? working deals, doing all of these things. They want more of it. Pastor Humphrey mentioned one of the wealthiest people of all time. Who was that again? Who said, I just need $1 more? Rockefeller. Rockefeller. One of the richest men who've ever lived. What would make you happy? Just to get $1 more. The Bible says here that they covet after it. They've erred from the faith. They've erred from the faith. The things of God, basically what that means is the things of God are placed outside of their reach. Literally, it means that they've walked away so far that they can't reach the things of God. How does that happen? It's not wrong to take a job for more money. But you know what? When we start to make decisions that are going to benefit us monetarily, but they're going to damage us spiritually. There's a problem. Taking you away from church, taking you away from spiritual influences in your life for a buck, there's a problem. What's the end result? Well, they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Look at verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's pretty serious, isn't it? It's possible to replace the love of God with the love of this present world. The love of material things. The love of pleasures, the love of self, the love of money. And so Jude is trying to stress here to saints of God, you've got to be on guard. You've got to guard it from injury and from loss. Keep yourselves in love with God. Watch out for it. It's valuable. It's precious. It's easily damaged by carelessness in the spiritual life. And it's critically important and foundational for what we find later. Go back to Jude 22. This love for God and the things of God is so critical. Because verse 22 says, And some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Now, I don't believe that these verses, the primary application of these verses is not about soul winning or winning souls, but there definitely is an application to that here. And what I'm trying to say is that having a love for Christ, guarding it, being in love with the Lord is going to help keep our focus on the Lord and on our purpose, and then it will enable us and allow us to have compassion on some, have compassion on the souls of men. Jesus looked on the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. But when we look back at all the things we just looked at, there's a primary application to myself and how I'm going to live and the things I love. And guess what? I don't see people as lost souls bound for eternity. I don't have compassion on their soul because all I think about is my own life and myself. Having compassion on the souls of men then leads to seeking to make a difference in someone's life. Of some have compassion, making a difference. How do we make an eternal difference in someone's life? By giving them what they need. What do they need? They need the truth of the gospel, is what they need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, Knowing the terror of the Lord, therefore we persuade men. But then he said, like two verses later, he said, It's the love of Christ that constrains me. Constrains me to what? To work and labor in this ministry of reconciliation, being reconciled to God. Paul said it was the love of Christ that constrains me to preach the gospel to other people. You see the connection here? We lose our love for the Lord. We lose all direction with our purpose of giving people what they need the truth of the Gospel. And I would simply ask you this tonight. Is something stealing your love for Christ? Is something stealing your love for the Lord? Usually we can tell in our life if we've lost a desire to see souls saved we've lost that burden, that desire to be a witness for Christ, there's something that's wrong in our love for Christ. May the Lord help us in keeping ourselves in love with our Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, use your word here tonight, and may we examine our own hearts and our own lives and ask the question, is there something... That is keeping me from being fully in love with my Savior. And Lord, I pray that we would be humble, do some heart evaluation. and Father, if the Spirit of God lays something on our heart, that Lord, our love for You would constrain us to deal with it, to make it right. Help us to guard... Against drifting away from love with our Savior. I'm so thankful that I can never escape the love of God, that you'll always love me. I'm so thankful that your love for me is not based on my performance to you. But Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do better. We love you tonight. Thankful for the instruction of your word. And I pray that you'd use it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.